Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Traveling is like taking vitamins. Every city has some kind of benefit to your soul. I go to New York City and I come home feeling empowered to work harder than ever. I go to Santorini in Greece and I leave being reminded of what really matters in life. Every city has its own energy that you live and breathe every day that you spend there. It's impossible to ignore how much you grow even after just one night in whatever new place. My trip to India was life-changing, but it was life-changing in a different way than maybe I was anticipating. It was like nothing I've ever seen before, smelled before, heard before. I was in sensory overload from the moment I touched down. And we stayed for about three weeks and the sensory overload didn't stop. Besides all that, I got very, very, very sick. I got deli belly, of course, on like day two or three of our trip. So I was sick for the entire time, but like we had some of the craziest experiences. We went on a camel desert ride for like six hours. There was nothing around except sand dunes and these black beetles. And when I say black beetles, I mean hundreds of thousands of massive black beetles crawling all over. There were like little beetle footprints in the sand. It was so creepy. Um, and I was very sick, so I was like behind the one bush that there was on the sand dune. We took a train. At one point on the train, I remember hanging out the side of the train. The hot, humid air was like blowing against my face. Aslan was holding my waist and I was throwing up out of the window because I was so sick and there was nowhere else to do it. And like, that was... That was just one of the things that happened, you know, but taking myself out of my own comfort zone gave me the space to experience the most beautiful experiences. When you wake up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep and you are under this blanket of stars, you forget that, you know, you haven't eaten in 72 hours and you've just been shitting your brains out. You just think, I am in the middle of a desert in India, sleeping under the stars. This is epic. And I am a little ant in this world. And it puts things into perspective like you cannot imagine. 
So with traveling, it's not just about the places you go. It's often about the people you go with. When people first hear about my story of how Aslan and I met and went on this road trip, they think, whoa, you just dove right into the deep end there, like traveling for like two months together in a car as your first date. That is a make it or break it. And luckily it made it. But, you know, I won't lie. The day to day isn't as fun as traveling across America, (laughs) especially after eight years. But, you know, when Aslan and I travel, I always think like that's when we are our best couple. It really binds us together. And I find it really interesting when we're somewhere and Aslan is discovering something that I hadn't even thought of. You know, you really see how someone thinks when they're in a new environment and it kind of wipes the slate clean a little bit, which is great, especially when you think you know everything about the person you're with. The weird thing about me and traveling is that I am a homebody. I always tell people I'm a homebody. I'm a Leo. I like to be at home protecting my den. But there is something to be said about going somewhere new and feeling out of your comfort zone that's just like so scary but exciting at the same time. As scary as being out of my comfort zone is, traveling has been the cause of most of my personal growth. And I feel so lucky to be able to travel. I love immersing myself in new cultures and it's just amazing. And I do not take it for granted. Every time I land somewhere new, I get like a whoosh of emotions. And I just like, I just feel really, really, really lucky. My name is Estée Lalonde and welcome to the heart of it. Today's episode, pack your bags, get that passport ready. We're talking about travel. Oh, the wonderful world of travel. New food, holiday romances, sunburns, car rentals, vaccinations, airports, trains, so many selfies. And at least one night where you think, oh God, what am I doing here? Travel allows us to fully understand our world and the people that live in it. Traveling is something that is part of what makes us human. And without travel, or I guess the movement of people, the diverse world of human beings we live in now just would not exist. I came across this quote in Colors magazine that summed it up well. We all come from Africa, where 100,000 years ago, a woman called Eve lived in what is now Kenya. Her DNA can be found in all of ours, spread across the world during humanity's first exodus. Uncertain and barefoot, our walk to populate the world took 3,500 generations to complete. Today, you could walk the same route in about two years, But despite our shared genetic code, you'd need 26 visas and two local sponsors and still have to provide five sets of fingerprints, proof of vaccination for yellow fever and meningitis, a blood sample, and a retinal scan. So our predecessors first moved out of necessity, then for religion, migration, trade, enlightenment, 
and eventually for pleasure, and it's clear we have a lot to be thankful for humanity's wanderlust. Today, I'm so happy to be talking to traveler and yoga teacher Chelsea Chorus, who has spent her life living out of her suitcase. And that's no exaggeration. Hello. Hey, Chelsea. Hey! (laughs) You've just put a huge smile on my face already and you've just said hi. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Oh, it's so nice to talk to you today. Chelsea is someone I admire so much. She leads a very interesting lifestyle and it's just so far from my own. She is a professional yoga teacher, but she's not just like your average yoga teacher. She teaches at this festival called Wanderlust Festival in front of like hundreds of millions of people. I don't know how many people, maybe like a few thousand. I don't know. But she is very well known in the industry. She has taught the Obama's yoga. You know, she is the real McCoy. I'm not sure if it's the yoga or the amount of traveling she's done, but she has such an open heart. And I just, I love her outlook on life and her outlook on travel. So we're going to start out nice and easy. I just want you to tell me a bit about yourself and tell everyone listening who you are, because I know you, but Mm -hmm. let's introduce you. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I am Chelsea Chorus. Um, I would say I am a teacher. Uh, Sometimes that's yoga. Sometimes that's self-care. Sometimes that's mindfulness. Um, But I would say I'm a teacher. Yeah. Well, you should know that I am fully obsessed with your Instagram. Like, (laughs) honestly, it's actually insane what you can do with your body. Like, honestly, I show it to all my friends. You can bend in ways that I've never seen before. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) It's honestly fascinating. It really is. So I wouldn't know, like, have you always been into yoga and fitness? Or was that kind of like something you discovered later in life? Yeah. Well, I was, I got into it very, very young. I was in middle school and yoga at the time was not what it is now. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a a household thing where you spent hundreds of dollars on your leggings, you know, like it was not that way at all. It was done in basements in, you know, cotton sweatpants and everybody had dreadlocks and long armpit hair and, you know, (laughs) patchouli oil. And it was like quite the scene. Um, So my parents were very nervous about me entering into that type of society. Um, So I would like sneak into these classes. And And were you one of the youngest people in those kind of like secret yoga classes? Totally. But I've always been an old soul. And so, (laughs) I mean, I was always the person in my family that was like, my mom like could not parallel park, you know, that kind of a thing. And I'd be like, (laughs) all right, like, you know, I'm 12 and I'm like, move over mom. You know, that's, that's me. (laughs) So like your family, from what I gathered when we met is that like, they have quote unquote normal lives. Like what do they think of your life now? You know, uh, it's really funny because my twin sister is a stay-at-home mom with with three boys. So we have literally the polar opposite lives. She's like, I haven't left my house 
in seven years. I'm like, I haven't been home in seven years. You know, it's like, so we literally have polar opposite lives, but you know, she will tell me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just catching my second flight today. I, I'll give, I'll give you a call when I land. And she's like, Chelsea, your life is my nightmare. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's not glamorous to them at all. Right. But recently, just um, maybe like four months ago, my Wonderless tour came to Minneapolis, where all of my family's from. So everybody still lives there. I'm the only one to move out of the state. And so they all came. Like, there they are. Like, none of them have done yoga a day in their lives. Like, nobody has had, nobody has a yoga mat down. They're all on the grass. <laughs> it's just my whole, my whole family there. And it was pretty special because at the end, my twin sister, who, you know, she, I got the outgoing part of the twinship and she definitely got the more detailed. She's very, very talented in anything that she does, but she's much more quiet. Um, and so she was had tears in her eyes and I was like, oh, like I know what that means. So I just grabbed her by the wrist and I brought her to the green room. I'm like, are you okay, Haley? And she's like, it's worth it. And I'm like, what is? And she was like, all of this traveling that you do and all of these sacrifices you've made in your personal life to make this happen. Like I see the, pe- the, the people that you're helping and it's worth it. And I just started bawling because I have had to like fight for this um, in my family because they're just like, when are you going to settle down? Like, when are you going to, you know, do life the way that we know life to be, which my life isn't right. It's, um, they just don't, they didn't never understood it. So in that moment, it was a very big moment because Haley, who is my best friend, you know, finally got to see what I've been up to and why, you know, like, it's not, it's not just about being like a jet setter. It's about, it's the people who throw me out of bed in the morning. It's being able to help just one of those thousands of people you know, be mindful and see that they matter, that's worth it for me. Let me give you a brief history of travel. The Greeks and Romans, yes, we're going way back, were the first to do the short breakaways. So they'd spend their week in the city with the hustle and the bustle and the intellectualism and the poetry... And when they were exhausted from that, they'd spend weekends away at their beach homes or just doing a lot of traveling. However, it wasn't until 1841 when Thomas Cook put together the first package holiday, you know, as we know it, in history. He started off with tours in Britain, but with his rapid success, soon moved on to other European cities. Paris and the Alps were the most popular destinations. Now, air travel began after World War II. Of course, there was a surplus of planes and pilots left over from the war, and they were more than ready to fly. But at that time, only the rich could afford holidays that included airfare. So now that you know a bit of background, that's kind of how the flying culture started. I mean, I wasn't alive when people used to dress up to go on airplanes, but imagine that time. It just feels so glamorous. The men get dressed up in a suit and shine their shoes and get their briefcases just to go on a plane. And the women would do their hair and their makeup and wear beautiful dresses and... It just, it was really, really an event. I mean, when I get on a plane now, I look like trash. I'm talking sweatpants, hoodies, no makeup, my hair is probably greasy. I put basically zero effort into my appearance when I fly, so I can't help but think I missed out a bit on that time. You travel a lot. 
and every day I check Instagram and you're on another flight to another place. <laughs> but I'm curious to know, <laughs> like, when is the first time you traveled and where is the first place you went when you left your hometown? Oh, that's a good question. New York City. Oh. Um, I went straight from Minnesota. I had to make sure. So everybody in my family got married very young. Um, and I had to make sure that everybody was okay. Um, and my twin sister just had gotten engaged and married. And um, I was like, okay, everybody's good. I'm out, you know? <laughs> so when you moved to New York, were you freaked out or did you thrive instantly? Oh, no. Um, what I remember is I got off the plane. Well, here's the deal is I, I do not come from a wealthy family and could not afford even with scholarship NYU. Um, and so I was living, <laughs> you're going to die. I <laughs> was living a two and a half hour commute one way, like deep into Queens. And I was living with um, a Trinidadian family that had like four generations in one house. And I lived in the cellar, you know, like the concrete, wet, moldy. And I, there was like four like cedar blocks that were supporting like a, a futon foam. And that's where I lived all of college. And I remember like getting into this room <laughs> and I, like I sat down, I will never forget this. I sat down on that like foam, which was damp. And I, lo I looked in the mirror and I was like, Chelsea, you've got 10 minutes to freak out, like freak out, like, like kick, scream, punch, like whatever you have to do. And then you have to make a decision. Like this is all you can afford. So you can either stay, deal with it, or you can go back home to Minnesota. So I no, I did. No, I did not thrive. <laughs> but, but, but the thing about it is, is that every apartment after that was like a castle. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that you don't hear very often is like the hard part of traveling, you know, all of that stuff. And I, I've experienced it myself. I remember when I touched down in India and I had that my honestly it was probably like a day of freaking out of like, say you can either turn around or <laughs> deal with this. And I stayed. It's so powerful to go, you know, I, you hear people in the wellness industry be like, no suffering. Like, you know, it's a choice. It's a choice. There's you don't need to suffer. You know, you're only suffering because you want it to be a different way than it is. But it's like this. And you can hear that all you want. But when you're in that moment, you're like, oh, crap. You know, it's like I actually have to practice this. Like there is no suffering. Like you're going to choose this. You're going to choose to stay in your own power or you're going to leave. But there's no there's no suffering. Just none. I have never heard that phrase, the no suffering thing. But I definitely yeah. get it. But uh, yeah, I, I wish I knew that like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you go traveling, you leave that place with a Rolodex of stories. You've got a lot of material to talk about with your friends for the next couple of weeks. But the funny thing about it is your friends probably don't care. They weren't there. It's boring. It's like telling someone about the dream you had last night. That being said, there is a time and a place, and these stories can be fascinating dinner conversations. So don't force it, but if, if it comes up, tell it. And if it's a good story, definitely tell it. Speaking of good stories and good storytellers, Chelsea is an amazing storyteller. A while ago, I had dinner with her, and she was telling the table all of her amazing travel stories. And I have to say, none of us were bored. We were all, like, on the edge of our seats. And she told everyone this story. 
So I was in Hawaii um, with a friend of mine. And now this good friend of mine knew that I hadn't taken personal travel in over a decade. Um, and so she was like, that's so ridiculous. You know, you need to book a trip just for yourself. And I was like, okay, yes. And I booked this flight to Hawaii. And I I don't know what to pack. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm in for. Um, but she wouldn't tell me anything. So I get dropped off at this like address, which is a harbor for we're gonna we're all gonna go onto this boat. Um <laughs> We're sitting in the parking lot and these beautiful women who I don't know, but they're all, we're all going to go on this trip together. I don't know them, but we do this beautiful gathering where everybody says the reason why they're there. And of course they have these like breathtaking stories of why they're there. And I just look at my friend and I'm like, uh, she brought me, I don't even know what I'm here for. Like (laughs) nothing like profound to say. We get on the boat. We're not even out of the Harbor. And my friend already is completely naked. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, it's a clothing optional trip. And I'm like, well, it doesn't look very optional. (laughs) So anyways, I guess we're all in for these like five days of clothing optional in Hawaii swimming with a whales trip. And so I, I'm from Minnesota, you know, we, the public nudity is not really (laughs) our cup of tea. And so I was like a little taken back, but of course open. I was like, okay, we'll see. I topless. Fine. I've been, I've been to Barcelona, you know, it's like, fine. Um, so (laughs) I don't know if I could do it though, but I feel like that's on my bucket list. Yeah. And so we're on the back of the boat. The captain of the boat is like, all right, guys, slide in, slide in. And the first time that we go down and we're free diving, right? We don't have any equipment besides our naked bodies, our flippers and our masks. And we get in, we go down and I have been working breath holds uh, just for my own training, you know, as we do. (laughs) So I went down for like a deep dive. At this point, I was maybe like three, four minutes that I could hold my breath, which was the most that I've ever had in my life. I probably couldn't do that now, but I was really trained. I was really training it at the time. So I went, I went down deep and I get struck by these like vibrations. It is, we're right on top of a male humpback whale singer. And when they sing, they're down very, very low, their nose down, their tail up, and they're singing for like the entire ocean. I don't know how to describe it. In Hawaii, they call the whales the record keepers of the world um, because they start a song in a season and then the next season they continue the song from the previous season. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And so so they're literally holding time for us. Like, that's what they're doing. And so anyways, you get in that energy field, and it is the most, like, captivating sound you've ever heard. I mean, there were chills running. I chills I didn't even know I could experience like in my bones. And it seemed to have lasted for like an hour, you know, and I'm sure I was there for two minutes, you know, but it was just so crazy. And I got out of the boat and sure enough, I was like, all right, I'm naked. Let's do this. Like (laughs) I'm all in. (laughs) 
for the rest of the time. I mean, the next time that we got in, it was a mom, a month old baby, and we're swimming with them. And I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, when you're in the boat or when you're in the water, rather, like it's, you have the whole ocean as the backdrop. So they don't seem that big. Like they're big. They're like dinosaurs, but they don't seem that way because you have the whole ocean like as Mm -hmm. like the backdrop, you know what I mean? But then they'll come out of the water. And if you come out with them and you bring your eyes up as they come up, it's literally like you're in the water with a dinosaur. And it's, it's the most crazy thing. So we were swimming and this mom and baby very much were like inviting us because the babies are very curious of humans and they're, they're very playful. They move very fast for being as big as they are. It's really crazy, but we're swimming along and then And you think, I mean, yes, fear is a part of it, but there's such an energetic thing that's happening when you're in their their field. Like you catch a glimpse of their eyes and it's like they know something and they're trying to tell you something, you know, like that's that's the energy that you get. Not a you're going to harm me. It's like you're trying to tell me something. And if I can just get over myself right now and just let my guard down and really take you in, I'm going to get a message here that's just for me. Like that's, that's what you feel. And that's definitely what happened. We swam with a lot of different things and I'm not used to like the deep blue ocean. You know, I'm used to like Mexico, you know, on the beach. <laughs> yeah. um, so all of this was just terrifying for me. I had to like confront really deep, you know, insecurities and fears just to get in the water. But then to watch myself do this over the next five days and continue to push through, even even through my being naked, you know, like, yeah. and, I, and I'm with women, but still like it was, I had, I had a lot of things that came up from even childhood stuff that I had to be like, okay, well this, you teach that your body is perfect just as it is. That's what you teach thousands of people. Can you stand in this truth right now? And it, it was insane. So anyways, at the end of the trip, I definitely had where, where I am now and what I'm doing now is like birth from that time to have the confidence to stand and to speak with any amount of authority came from that time where I do believe that I got the message that Chelsea, nobody can do this like you can. So wake up and do it, you know? So what an awesome story. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I do believe that. I believe that if you really do show up, even, even if your voice is trembling or your knees are, are shaking, you showed up. I believe that there is a message, there is a download that you can get that's just for you to give to the world. I do believe that that's true for every single person. I believe it so much. And I know some people listening are going to be like, this chick is nuts. She got a message from a whale. But actually, what is so amazing about traveling is just that there's so much fear in it as well, don't you think? And it's facing and dealing with so much, but in a kind of a roundabout way, like you don't even realize it and listening to the messages of each place. Mm -hmm. It's magical. It's true. Travel is, it's connection. I think that's what it is to me. It's being able to look at somebody and try on their experience. I may never know what it's like to grow up in India or in Singapore or, you know, where, wherever. I, I may not know what it's like, but I sure can connect and try it on the, their human experience. And you only do that by listening, 
you know, like, like truly listening and saying, I want to hear, because I believe that our culture was formed through storytelling. It's morphed by storytelling and it can be changed by storytelling. So if there is division, which there is all over the world, um, the only way that we're going to change that and actually unite and become one is through storytelling and through listening. So that's what travel allows me to do. Yeah, I totally agree. That was such a beautiful way of putting it. You travel so much and you have that seems to be down to a fine art. I guess on the other side of the spectrum, I'm wondering what home means to you. I have had to figure this out um, because it did not come naturally at all. But I see people who I love and know very, very well. I see them in other people. I see my dad everywhere. Like I see his personality everywhere. I see the kindness in my twin sister's eyes everywhere. You know, so I think for me, home is being able to let a total stranger in and acknowledge them as family. You know what I mean? It's like, I know you because I get this aspect of you. Yeah. I may not know everything, but I, I know you, you know, like I see like my best friend in almost every student that that is drawn to me. Of course I do, you know, because they're drawn to me for a reason. So I think it's it's trusting that that that's going to happen. You know, they're they're going to be family eventually. So just let them in now. Letting your guard down. So I get what Chelsea's saying about treating strangers like they're your family. I think it's a great way to approach things. But, you know, you've got to take that with a pinch of salt as well, because the world isn't always a lovely, fluffy place. Not to be all Fox News on you, but it it really, you do have to be careful. I don't think there's any harm in talking to people. When you think of solo female travelers, you know, would I advise my best friend if she was going away to talk to everybody and like try to make friends with everybody? I don't know. I do think there is a balance between being friendly and talking to people and trusting too much. I'll say that. In the past six years, there has been a 230% increase in women-only travel companies. And this massive increase is because there has been a massive influx of solo female travelers. It's a movement. I think it's awesome. I think there's something really empowering about traveling by yourself as a woman. I haven't done enough of it, but it's pretty clear to me that traveling as a solo man is a lot different to traveling as a solo woman. That being said, You know, there shouldn't be any reason why you should be terrified of doing it. There are a lot of great resources out there for solo women. It's just about being smart, being prepared, well-researched. You got this. Okay, I know that you've spent a lot of your life living out of a suitcase. (laughs) What's the longest you've lived out of your suitcase? (laughs) Well, let's see. I just moved to Boulder. I mean, I don't know. It's a hard question because I would say for the last decade, I have lived out of a suitcase. Like that's been my my permanent home. And then with little blips, because I have had places in New York, Los Angeles, San Diego, and I've moved all those places in one year. So even even if I've had a home, I haven't really lived there. This like now that I've moved to Boulder, I like bought a kitchen table for the first time. Like that's, I bought a bed that's mine. Um, so these are, these are very new experiences. I know how to travel and live out of a suitcase 
far easier than I know how to go back into my kitchen and wash my dishes. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, that's a whole new behavior that I have to learn. I'm going to buy this spray and I'm going to clean my table. Like, that's like so odd. To buy I know, a spray, like a surface yeah, cleaning spray. <laughs> totally. But I know how to fold my clothes, like it to put them into a suitcase the most optimal way. Like, that's what I got down. I know how to do that. I know impermanence and I know non-attachment so well. Like I know how to give things away. I know how to do that, but I don't know. I don't know how to build a home. And that's what I'm learning right now. It's funny to think that Chelsea is just getting to that stage where she wants to build her little nest and have a home base because that is just so important to me. Oh my God. I can't imagine not having a base. In fact, I have two bases. I have one in London and one at my mom's house. Like, I need my bases. I guess it just puts me at ease. It just calms me. It's familiar. It's a place where I can breathe. I love being at home. And traveling makes coming home that much sweeter. I get to come home to my bed. I get to come home to my dog. I get to come home to his little wagging tail and his snoot and his beautiful brown eyes. I love him. You have to understand, I grew up in a house full of women who this is what they do. You know, like they are all like Martha Stewart times 20. Like my sister can crochet you a hat in 10 <laughs> seconds. You know, it's like, she's just, she's just amazing. They all are. They all have three kids. They all have these homes that are just like, they should be photographed in a magazine. Like that's what I've been surrounded by. And I've always been the black sheep. That's like, Chelsea, like, why aren't you good at this stuff? And why, why don't you want this? And why don't you want three kids? And why don't you want this? And so I kind of, I think a lot of this has been a protection for me of like, well, that's not me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't get those things. I don't need those things um, in in a rebellious way, probably, um, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, so I think that for the long time, I was just like running on those fumes of like, well, I'm just different and I'm just not like anybody else. And I don't need these comforts. And, and to the heart of me, I don't. But now that I'm much more grounded into who I am and it doesn't matter very much what other people think, I'm like, you know, I can still be a traveling person and have a home that I love. That's okay. I can do that. You know, <laughs> so cool. I'm like, get, I'm like now giving myself permission to, to do a little bit of both. Does it feel good to have this house in Boulder? Like, does it, does it make you feel comfortable? Yeah, totally. It's still really new. I think it, it's um, maybe something that people wouldn't realize is that um, I feel like I should be good at this. Like I'm a woman, right? Like, shouldn't I know how to build a home? So even in that statement, it's like, really, she's a woman yeah. and she should know how to like, but it comes up. Like, I'm not going to lie. That does come up. And I have to be like, Chelsea, come on. You know, <laughs> it's like, you don't have to be good at anything, you know? And so I'm, I am dealing, I'm like rolling through those emotions of I've never had a home. I don't really know how to decorate I don't really know how to do these things and I'm figuring it out, but also giving myself permission to, you don't have to be good at this. It's <laughs> a really, yeah. really good point you brought up. But you know, <laughs> what I really love about you and especially on Instagram is that all the stuff you post on your stories and you can be really vulnerable on there. Mm-hmm. How, how, is that hard for you or do you take that on as that's kind of like your responsibility as a yoga teacher? Because it's not easy to mm. do that. That's a good question. I think 
I am not a I am not above having pictures from the past be overly um, photoshopped, right? So like that that's that was the time of the past. And I think I I woke up one morning. I went through a really dark season, a uh, dark night of the soul, Marion Williamson would call it. But I definitely did. And I um, this was maybe like three years ago now, but I went into full nature mode. I was living in California and I found this hiking trail that me and my dog would go every day, like barefoot hiking. And I committed to this every single day because I had a lot of healing I needed to do within. I think I needed to do that before I could call in the relationship that I'm in now. So I was, I was single and I was doing this, um, going up into the mountains every single day and and just healing and crying and doing that. I did it for about a year. And at the end of that year, I took a hard look at my Instagram account and I was like, not helping, not helping, not helping, not helping. And I just started deleting these pictures that I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I, what am I putting out there? This like perfection, that's not helping the women I know, you know, and that I can do something about that. I can show up real. And so is it my responsibility? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I take it that business speech, like this is my responsibility as a yoga teacher. It's like, no, I think I'm a human being. I'm a woman living my life, figuring things out. And I happen to have a platform that people are tuning into. So what a powerful place to just be real. What a powerful place to go. You know what? It's not perfect all the time. I fight with my boyfriend. I yelled at him yesterday. You know, it's like, (laughs) or whatever, or whatever it's going on. It's like, yes, this travel looks amazing, but you know what? I'm fucking tired. Yeah. And like, I'm, I really am like to my bones. I'm really tired, but I'm going to dig deep right now and show up for you guys because I know it's my mission. The idea of using travel as a healing tool is something that I really connect with. There have been so many times where I've been stressed or exhausted or confused or just unsure about something in life. And I go away and I come back what feels like a different person. I truly feel cleansed. I think it's partially because you go to a new place. You really do forget a lot of your troubles. You get to just breathe and experience something else other than your own bullshit you know I've obviously mentioned my anxiety and I think sometimes when you get out of your little bubble of things that tend to make you anxious you know it just it gives your mind a break which is so essential especially in today's world and it also just getting off the phone getting off the computer that is so great that's great stuff if I was really like I need some time here I would go to my healing space which is the beach house oh my god I love the beach house so much it is a beautiful whitewashed house kind of thing it's not really like a house it's like a bungalow and it's amazing it's kitted out with beach stuff there's a garden there's a hammock there's a fireplace We can go to the small town and get the groceries and we can chill and we can read and we can sleep in the afternoon. And the beach house is really my, I think it's my favorite place in the world. Is it true that you've taught the Obamas? I have. Yes, I have. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) I taught at at the 
lighthouse. And then I did an overnight train ride to New York City. And that was the day that I met my boyfriend and Mike. And no sleep, no makeup, just a wreck. And my my agent at the time was like, will you do me this huge favor and do this photo shoot? It's an acrobatic photo shoot. It's with this guy named Mike. And for some unknown reason, I agreed to it. And now I can, now I know why. But in any other sane moment would have been like, no, I'm going to go to sleep. But for some reason I was like, yes, I will do it. Yeah, because you were tuned into the universe. (laughs) And I met Mike. And now two years later, here we are. Oh, that's amazing. This was like the perfect interview. So thank you so much for taking the time. You're very, very welcome. I can't wait to see you. I wish I would have saw you when I was in London. Oh, also, you said you were going to invite me to a major yoga retreat. So please don't forget, I do want to (laughs) come. Okay. Costa Rica Rica in March. Oh, okay. I might be game. I might be game. Done. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. I think what I can take away from Chelsea is just to be even more present when I travel. It seems to me that she is great at that. She seems great at the self-reflection stuff. She seems great at being in the moment when she meets new people. And she seems great at saying yes to awesome opportunities. And if I could just take a sliver of that, that would be great. And I guess something that I loved about that interview was just hearing Chelsea talk about the difference in lives between her and her twin sister. I love that she always points out her sister's strengths. You know, it's like success isn't one thing. Success isn't jet setting all over the world and teaching the Obamas yoga. Okay, that is pretty cool. But, you know, that's not the definition of success. And if you have a life and you're happy with it, whatever it is, great. You know, and I I love that Chelsea always points that out. You don't have to be doing like these grand things every single week of your life to be making a difference in the world. So what is our final destination? See what I did there? Well, I guess what I've learned is that travel is about expanding your mind. It's about understanding different people It's about understanding yourself. It's about getting out of your own comfort zone. It's about healing yourself. And I love the way Chelsea put it. Traveling is like trying someone else's life on. Why wouldn't you want to do that? It's really hard for me to think of many negative things about traveling. For me, it's all positive. Even the quote-unquote negatives are a positive. If I can survive puking out of a moving train in India and come out happy, there you go. Says it all. It's positive vibes. Season one is a wrap. If you haven't listened to every episode from season one, please go back and check out the rest of them. We've had some awesome contributors, and I want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's been involved. And it would be great if you could share the heart of it with all your friends. Please leave an iTunes review that helps us out so, so much. And just, I mean, honestly, this is just a heartfelt, from the heart of Estée Lalonde, huge thank you. And this isn't goodbye. This is, I'll hear you later. So you'll be hearing me later in season two. I cannot wait to be back in your ears.
This episode was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang. It was hosted by me, Estée Lalonde, and it featured Chelsea Chorus. It was executive produced by Harry Watson. The assistant producer was Holly Aquilina, and the producer was Natalia Rodriguez. If you want to learn more about Chelsea, just go on her Instagram at Chelsea Chorus.